Um, so without further ado, Sherry Divban. Hello, can you guys hear me okay? Okay, hopefully this thing works. I'm gonna hold on to it. I try to be super cool and I got one of these to like click it. So, <laughs> see how that works. Um, so I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna try to say as much as possible today. It's really difficult to get everything out. I've been thinking about this for months because I want you guys to get the most information that I can bring forward today. So I'm going to go through the start of my journey. I'm going to share some very intimate details of my life that I haven't even shared. My husband doesn't know I'm sharing some of this stuff. <clears throat> and um, yeah, so uh, it's going to be a good ride. It's going to be a couple of hours. So if you see your neighbor nodding off, just pinch them for me. Just wake them up. <laughs> All right. So let's get started. So I'm going to talk about New Earth children, but really this, has, this is relevant for everybody because children um, are our future, and, they, and what they have taught me is relevant for everybody in this room, no matter your age, if you have children, don't want to have children, only have pets, that it doesn't really matter. So let's start today with uh, a little bit about me so you guys can hear a little bit about my background. Oh, it worked. Yay. All right, so I was born in 1981 in Los Angeles, California, and the love of my life is my grandmother, Vivian, up there. She's in both pictures. <clears throat> my mother had me when she was 15 years old, so obviously I wasn't, I wasn't planned. And my father is, was 17 at the time, so they never stayed together. They became really good friends, and they're, they're wonderful. They've been in my life the, my whole, this whole time. Um, my mom more than my dad, um, but... I lived in Hawthorne, California, in Torrance. I don't know if you guys know the Los Angeles area very well, but it was kind of a more poor region. And I want to tell you my journey a little bit because it's going to make sense as to why I do what I do today and everything that's led up to it. Hello. <laughs> tell them hi. All right. <clears throat> so... Um, I want to go through my traumas a little bit. So we're going to go on a little bit of a, an emotional roller coaster. I'm going to share some really dark stuff, and then we'll lighten it up, and, and we will, I'll promise, we'll end on a good note today. But um, my traumas are important to talk about because they really shaped the person that I thought I was, that I'm not today, and I've gone through a lot of healing, and I think it's a result of those traumas that made me the person that I am today, and I'm much stronger as a result of that. Um, but it really expa explains, in hindsight, why I became such a dark person because I went through a really dark period where I hated every human being on the planet and I was going to fight anyone before they hurt me. I had a very closed off heart and there's a reason for it. So when I was, um, I'm trying to see how old I am in that picture. That was Christmas time. So I was about three years old and my, my babysitter at the time, she was, um, I know you're not allowed to say this anymore, but she was mentally retarded. And I don't know how she was able to care for me, but she took me one day to McDonald's for dinner, and she never brought me back. And she was she was an interesting woman. She wasn't very friendly. She didn't speak a lot, but she had a boyfriend who now I know was her handler, and she was a much older gentleman. And they brought me to an apartment that was a cave. I mean, it was super dark. Uh, they didn't let any light come in, and I basically slept on the couch. And they had cartoons on the TV all the time. They didn't feed me anything. Um, all I remember is rummaging through the woman's purse, and she had sticks of gum, and I would eat that, thinking, like, making it feel like food because it was sweet. 
I remember being terrified of both of the, the women and the man, but the man more so. Now, I've blocked out the memories of what happened to me on purpose, and I was just talking at the breakfast table with a group of people, and sometimes, you, you know, people ask. They say, I want to know what happened to me. I want to get my memories back. But sometimes you don't know what you're in for because you don't always want those memories back, and you really have to be ready for it. So there are certain things that I have placed on a specific shelf of my journey of healing where I'm not ignoring it, but it's going to be when the time is right, I'll, I'll open that, that up. But this, this is one of them I'm not ready for because I know that some dark stuff happened. Um, but one day I got sick uh, because I wasn't being fed. And we went to the grocery store. And I remember being in line, and I was really, I mean, I was really skinny and really, like, lanky and awkward looking. And, and so I probably looked sick most of the time anyways. But I remember being at the cashier, and the lady was checking out um, whatever this woman was buying for me to eat. And she looked at me, and I know we made this eye contact. And she looked at me, and, and it's interesting now I think about it. You know, why didn't she ask the woman that was with me? But she looked at me, and she said, are you okay? And something came over me, and I don't know what it was, but I started screaming, saying, this isn't my mom. You know, I want to go home. I started just, I lost it. I lost my shit. And all I remember is total chaos. Everybody, like, all these adults running around the room. Next thing you know, I was swept in some back room. And then my next memory is being in a sheriff's vehicle in the back, middle back seat so I could see both of the men. And then I remember being reunited with my mom. I don't remember my dad at that point being there. I'm sure he was. But there was a lot of news reporters, flashes of being, because I was in the newspaper. And it's interesting because I don't remember ever being talk, talked to after that, you know, what happened to me. Um, but it was quite traumatic, and I was scared for a very long time. And then walked in. My mother um, had a biker boyfriend at one point. And I thought he was super cool. His name was Bob. He wore a lot of leathers. He had tassels, and he had a bike. And we used to shoot at the um, in Redondo Beach at the pier, at the um, at the bridge. What? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, we used to shoot at the the whatever those things are called on the columns. And I thought he was the coolest guy in the world until he wasn't. Um, until he started sexually abusing me um, for about five years of my life. And that was very traumatic for me because I was already still dealing with the past trauma, but then this guy really um, violated me. And I never told anybody about it because I was scared. I thought maybe I did something wrong or maybe, you know, it this was okay, this was normal. You know, my mom didn't seem to notice or care. And not that she, and I'm not blaming her, and I don't blame her at all. But these are the irrational thoughts that children have. You know, maybe my mom said that this is okay. Maybe this is a normal thing. Um, but it went on for many, many years, and this man followed us because we moved around a lot. My stepfather, uh, my next stepfather became, uh, was a flight, um, sim built flight simulators for the Air Force. So we moved around a lot. So I went to Orlando for three years, lived in three different houses. I've been to like 12 different schools. Um, and I was bullied quite a bit in every single school. And this man just followed us everywhere we went. And I'm like, why does this guy keep following me throughout my life? They became friends, and he was the weird guy that would live in our guest bedroom, you know. And I would time it just right because our rooms were next to each other at one point, and I knew that if I ran fast enough out of my door to the kitchen, he couldn't catch me. But if I was slow or I didn't do it fast enough, I would run out of my bedroom, and he would grab me into his room. So, yeah, <laughs> that was fun. 
Um, Oh, I thought it didn't work again. <laughs> so animals saved my life. Um, I had a German shepherd named Chelsea, and we got that dog um, when I was about five, five years old. And when I started shutting down and not trusting anybody, and I hated everybody, and I was afraid of everyone, my dog was the only companion I had. She was my best friend, and, and I learned animal communication through her. And I had a deep respect and understanding for the animal kingdom because they were, they were my family. I also didn't have any brothers or sisters, and my family is quite small. My mom doesn't have any um, brothers or sisters. Her father died before I was born. My dad has a very, I, I have a, this much family. So I was all alone all the time, so my dog was all I had, and every time we moved, she was my, the one constant, the one consistent thing. So my grand idea was that I was gonna work with animals, and that, that would be my career. I would save all the animals because they deserved my attention and my love, and I wanted to help them. So I went into veterinary medicine, and I did that for 20 years. Um, I worked in ICU, I worked in um, general practice, surgery, I mean, exotics, and then I ended up at the zoo. The reason I'm not sharing any ICU pictures is because back then I didn't have a smartphone, and my Facebook page got shut down, and I don't have any of them. So. These are the pictures that I have when I was working at the zoo. And it was a really, it was a highlight of my life because I really felt like I was making a difference um, working with the animals. Um, they were, I think there's a delay on this, okay. You know, there were some, it was something I can look forward to. You know, they were, they were, I could communicate with the animals at the zoo. And although I was, I had this, this uh, fight with myself constantly because I didn't believe that the animals should be in the zoo. Um, I had a really difficult time with that notion. I knew that zoos were gonna be there regardless if, if I cared or not, so we might as well have people work there that genuinely love them. And so that's kind of how I navigated through that thought process. I was like, well, I love them, I'm gonna do right by them, so I'll work there as long as we have zoos. And that's what I did for 10 years until it became too much and, and I couldn't do it anymore. I, it's, it was too heavy on my heart and I think because <clears throat> my children awakened my heart and opened that part of me that I had closed off, I started to feel more and it, that burden outweighed the positive benefits of me working there and so I ultimately quit and I, and I started doing Reiki and energy healing on, on animals and I did a side business of animal communication and animal healing, and it was great. But the problem is that 99% of the time that I would work with a client because their dog had a behavioral issue, or the dog was sick, or the cat was this or that, do any of you have any idea why their animals were sick? Yeah, their owners. I had to tell people time after time, listen, your dog is taking on your anger. Your dog is projecting your behavior. Your dog is trying to get your attention. Your cat is trying to chase demons out of your house, and he's pissing everywhere because he's trying to help you. And, you know, and I was like, this is not fun for me because then people, you know, when you tell people the truth, again, if they're not ready for it, then I'm the bad guy, and they're like, oh, this lady doesn't know what she's talking about. And, and like, that wasn't a good time for me. So what I decided to do was... And I think everything happens for a reason. My path is exactly the way it was designed on, on it for a reason because that led me to say, you know what? Instead of hating everybody in the planet and trying to take jobs where I don't work with people, which the big joke is when you go into veterinary medicine, 
all you do is work with the owners. Like, they're such a big pain in the butt that it's like you can't get away from people anyways. So that didn't work out for me. Uh, so I said, all right, I'm going to work with people. And I learned so much. Um, but I, before I get into that, I want to go to my children because they are the reason that I'm here. I'm just going to put this down for a second. So my, my first son, uh, Jordan, came to me at 23 years old. So I was still a baby, okay? Like, I know 23 is probably not that young, but I felt like a child. And I had just started finding myself, graduated from a degree I never used to this day, but I thought at the time it was a great accomplishment. And I met my husband a couple of years before that, and he, actually, I owe him so much because he's the one that cracked my heart right open. I mean, it was a solid rock. I mean, he had to go in there with, like, a jackhammer and really open it up. But, you know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been ready for Jordan because Jordan took it to the next level, and he came into my life, and he changed me. Like, he made me look at the world differently. And instead of judging each one of you and looking at you and saying, you know, all, looking at all of your demons or looking at you and saying, what's wrong with them? I started to look at people differently, and I said, man, what's her story? What's his story? You know, if I'm the way I am and angry and bitter for what happened to me, well, they must have a story too. So let me figure out what that is. And he really broadened my horizon and changed everything for me. Like, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been ready for the two awakenings that I had after him. So everything that happens into our life is a catalyst for, I believe, for what's to come. So if you don't have children, it might be something else. It could be a car accident. It could be a death in the family. It could be a grand epiphany. Uh, it doesn't always have to be a dramatic thing where you almost die. Um, it, it can be anything that you've planned ahead of time. I believe that we plan all of these events for a reason. Um, and each one of my children opened me up a little bit more and taught me more things. So by the time Skylar came, seven years later, you know, um, we almost filed for bankruptcy. California kicked us in our butt. We moved back to Maryland. And it was a really rough period of time, but he was, he was the constant. You know, he kept us going, and he just gave us unconditional love. Skylar came in, and he taught me a whole other version of myself that I didn't know I had. Um, and then Aramis came in, and she rocked my world, and she still does to this day because she is very spirited, and she's the one that taught me about New Earth children because about nine months to a year before um, I even had an idea of having her, um, I was, you know, two kids in, not financially abundant in any way possible. So the third, I thought of a third child was quite a lot to take in. But she came to me as a spirit, and she's in her spirit, and she said, Sherry, she didn't call me Sherry, actually. She said, I'm coming to you, and we have a big job to do together, and I need your help. Can you help me? Of course, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. Um, and then I was suddenly excited about having her. And she was the one that I channeled every week for nine months to a year before I even conceived her, before she, we, I got pregnant. And she taught me everything that I, that's in the Divinely Guided book, my second book, I got from her. There's channeled messages from her. She is the one that's, that was my, she is to this day my greatest teacher. And a lot of what I know I learned from her. And yes, a lot of it has been validated through other books, which has been helpful, or other things that other people that talk about similar things, so that's been, that's been helpful. But she shared it with me in a whole new way, which opened the door for me to work uh, with children. Um, and so, so we're going to talk about star seeds and what she taught me. Um, 
You know, there's a lot of misconceptions on star, about star seeds, and you know, everybody wants to know if they're a star seed. And I guarantee you, if you're asking the question, if you're a star seed or you're attracted to these conferences or um, watching podcasts about star seeds, then, then yeah, you're a, you're a star seed. You don't need me to tell you that. You don't need me to tell you what your star origin is. Um, but what I discovered when I was working with my clients one-on-one -on -one and working with children, I had the ability to connect with their higher self and their angels, and I could see their star family, and I didn't really know about Arcturians and Andromedans and all of these star, star these galaxies and star systems and planets. It was all new to me. Um, so I felt really shy sharing it at first because I was like, Pleiades, like, you know, did I hear that somewhere? Um, but, you know, I started to just surrender and trust the information that was coming through. And so I think Aramis passed the baton because she prepared me to be able to communicate with children all over the world and a lot of adults. A lot of the things that I know has come from the adults that I have um, had sessions with. And I honor each and every person because I feel like I've had this beautiful, unique opportunity to peek through the window of all of, all of these people's journeys, their, pa their past, you know, past lives, and where they come from and what they're here to do. And it's given me such an abundance of information that I believe that's my, part of my purpose is to share all of this with you guys. We're going to get into uh, Aramis Learning Center towards the end. Where I, we want, I need to get there first. All right. So what are star seeds here to do? Star seeds, another misconception of star seeds is that they come from someplace else. First of all, nobody is from anywhere. We're all a fractal of light. We're all from source, God creation, the frequency of all that is, Sophia, whatever you want to call it. There's so many different names for it. But, the, but no one is from Andromeda. No one is from Earth. However, what happens is that you, by choice or not, you will spend a majority of your time or incarnations in one particular place, and then you feel connected to that place, and that becomes kind of your home. So for me, home is in California. Um, in relation to this life, but I'm not from California. I just happen to be birthed in California. So it's kind of how we are connected and where our soul family is. So starseeds do come from inner earth. They do come from this planet. They are the Sasquatch. They are the Agarthans. They are the Telosians. They are the animal, the, the consciousness of animal beings, spirits, fairies, gnomes. Their, their star seeds are being reincarnated from previous lifetimes or previous uh, or other uh, multidimensional um, existences to help us move forward, to be more open-minded, to help us break free of this 3D matrix that we have been suppressed in. And they do that in many different ways. So the God code, you know, this is why we're here. The reason that we're here is because this is a war on consciousness. This is what they, what the dark essence, the dark beings, those that cannot create, those that because our gift as as uh, the fractals of light of all the universe is that we can co-create. We have the ability to manifest and co-create our reality. That's a really big opportunity, and, and a lot of power and a lot of responsibility. And if you aren't able to do it, you want it. 
And so our God code, our spiritual blueprint, whatever you want to call it, you know, I think that the names are triggers for people. And we have to put the names aside and just recognize the meaning of what it is that we're speaking about. And our spiritual blueprint is our essence, it's our experience. And they're trying to come in and they, through their presence and their anchoring of their light, they activate us. They are here to remind us of who we are, where we come from, and our superpowers that we have, not superpowers with the Avengers that we see on the TV, but we have those powers. We just don't remember that we have them. And they come in to show us that and to help activate that part of us. So we're getting physical upgrades, and everybody talks about this as the ascension symptoms, and they're coming in with, um, with upgrades. So these children are much more alert. They're more psychic. The veil is thin. Everyone talks about the veil of forgetfulness, and we don't remember. And yes, that's extremely important and, and done by design. But, in, but the starseeds coming in for their first time here in this 3D, uh, they, don't, they don't need that veil of forgetfulness. They need to remember what they're here to help with and to remind them um, of their journey so that they can um, help and enlighten and activate people with their, with their knowledge. And so they don't forget, and they're coming in and they know everything. They're here to activate our telepathy, our ability to connect through our heart. Everything is designed in this matrix to separate us so that we have male versus female, this sports team versus that sports team, this religion versus that religion. Everything in this 3D reality is designed so that we hate each other. That's on purpose. And so what we, what we forget is that at the essence of consciousness, we are all one light that fractals off to have many other experiences. So when we come into this planet, we are all brothers and sisters. And we are here to participate and play roles and experience things for the collective. We all benefit from it. So it doesn't make any sense for us to hate each other because then we are, we are, we are devaluing the experience of somebody else. And some other people need to experience those traumas as part of the collective knowledge. And so we don't know what someone else is coming in to learn. And so judgment plays a big role in our division because we constantly compare ourselves to other people and what we're doing and what they're doing and I'm better and you're better. Nobody's better than anybody else. We're all working together. Everything has matter, even the walls in this. I mean, when I'm in my car, I tell my car how much I love my car. Thank you so much for keeping me safe. Everything feels energy, everything around us. You tell this building how much you appreciate this building, how, how, how it's beautiful how it's keeping us sheltered right now. Can you imagine if this building at one point, the, the roof started arguing with the walls because the roof is protecting us from the elements above? And then the walls started saying, well, I'm protecting you and keeping you supported. And then the ground says, no, I'm better than you because I'm holding us all up. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous, okay? That is what, what it looks like to other beings out there that see us fighting. They don't realize that we all signed up to be together. That's why people have this... Um, unconscious recognition of, I know this, I just had this earlier in the hallway. I'm like, I don't know how I know you, but I know you. Because we all know each other. We're here together for a reason, and we're, we're remembering. We're starting to remember those things that has been suppressed. And I'm going to go into all of the 3D interference in a minute, so that's where things are going to get juicy. But I want to talk about why the children are here and the starseeds, because they're here to encourage us to connect through our heart center, through uh, energetic connection. They're here to teach us about our sacred contracts. So everybody comes in with roles and antagonists. You can't hate your antagonist when you ask them to come in and teach you a lesson. 
We forget about that. So someone signed up to teach me a lesson. Well, when I'm an ego, I don't like that lesson. So now I'm going to be mad at them. But we don't realize that we had a sacred contract together to benefit both of us mutually. But we forget here. And then we resent each other. And their children are here, and they're telling me that they're, they're, they're encouraging us to recognize the people in our life and the roles they're playing. Even mom that you hate, even dad that you hate, even your brother and sister. Everybody is playing their role. Now, the interesting thing that they're telling me is that because there's no past, present, and future, the timelines are actually overlapping and they're influencing. So what's happening right now, the reason it's so important is that we are in a dominant timeline. And what happens here, there's a ripple effect and it actually is affecting other realities, other eras, other periods. So what happens right now is actually affecting Lemuria. What's happening here is affecting Atlantis. What's happening in Atlantis is affecting us. It's all connected. And so when we are connected in this timeline, we are affecting other timelines. And so that's why so many of them are volunteering to come in, because if we can help us, we can help everybody else. The time matrix, you guys know that the time is an illusion. So we're moving out of the time matrix, which is why time is speeding up. People are forgetting where they are, um, because we're going to get to a time and space where we no longer are controlled by that time clock. So we're looking forward to that, I'm sure. <laughs> Breaking through paradigms and labels. I'm going to get into the labels. Don't get me started about labels. So we'll get there in a minute. But we're, they're children, these starseeds, they're here to break through the illusions. They're here to kick those paradigms down so that we as the adults see through the illusion and we recognize what's wrong with it so we are encouraged to look at things in a better way. Um, so they're going to be spirited and they're going to be challenging like my daughter, but she's here to encourage me to look at things differently. No longer am I able to say, well, I, we're doing this because I said so. Mommy, why? Because it's always been done that way. They will not accept that answer anymore because they're encouraging us to ask the question, why? Why, are we, why have we been doing it for this long? And does it actually still work in this current day with the consciousness that we are in at this moment, with all the knowledge that we have? And most of the time, the answer is no. It doesn't fit. So they're trying to show us. These children are our greatest teachers, and they have been undervalued, and they have been um, targeted for many generations. But this is the, this is the time that it stops. They're here to help us heal through our limited beliefs, like I just mentioned. Heal through the traumas. They are going to mirror our behavior. They are going to project out what, what we are receiving collectively. So they are here to peel back the layers of our limited beliefs and find the core of who we are. I guarantee most people in this room, if asked who you are as a person, is a really challenging thing to answer because throughout all of your programming, it's really hard to decipher what is who, who are you? Who is the essence of you? It's really hard to determine that through all the programming because we don't really know. That's what we're figuring out now in 4D. They're going to heal us and they're going to shift other timelines that I already talked about. This is really interesting. Children are here anchoring their light and they are activating portals. Who in here remembers the animal phenomenon that everybody was talking about going crazy over where they were circling? Yeah. All right, there's always two, three, four multidimensional explanations for everything. But what I was told was that these children are anchoring their light, and what they're doing is they are opening portals between outer earth and inner earth all over the world, uh, directly connected to where they live demographically. 
So their, their energy grounds, anchors into the planet, and they are opening portals. The animals, because they are part of the Earth's consciousness, are doing the same thing. So when they circle innately in these oversoul groups, they are also opening portals. They are activating. So yes, 5G, all of the negative programs, yes, that is part of it. It could be part of it. But I prefer to go with the explanation given to me that the, we are activating portals and we are raising this planet's vibration in order to allow inner Earth, interdimensional and interterrestrial beings to interact with us. So I think it's a really beautiful thing. 5D pregnancy, this is a whole other, this is a whole other conversation and I debated whether or not I wanted to bring this up because it's a really lengthy explanation. So I'm gonna keep it brief and if you have questions later, you can come, come find me by the fireside or after this. 5D pregnancy, so starseeds are really challenging to bring in because they hold a frequency that's much higher than our human bodies can accommodate, which I'm gonna talk about in the next section. 5D pregnancy is different. 5D pregnancy is when we are able to etherically um, bring in children uh, using our light anchored as in a physical body um, without it actually happening. Um, you're not gonna birth a child in this lifetime, but you have, uh, you have symptoms of pregnancy. Bloating, vomiting, nausea. Uh, you feel like you're pregnant. You can even feel movement in your body because you are etherically pregnant, but not physically pregnant. And this happens for a lot of reasons, one of which is your soul is participating in bringing in etherical beings, but also in another timeline parallel to this one, you are activated and you are pregnant. And because the veil is so thin right now, a lot of these energies are bleeding together, so we are, we are feeling the pregnancy of a pregnancy that we're having in another timeline. That's how close all, of all, all these timelines are merging together right now. I'll go into it a little bit more later. But let's talk about some of those challenges of starseeds. I'm not just talking about children right now, I'm talking about all of you and myself included. Um, the higher frequency that these children are coming in with their bodies are short-circuiting. There is an electrical surge or electrical fire, which is why we have a lot of children right now that are being born, and I'm not talking about the Vax children. I'm talking about the starseed children because there's a difference. The, the starseed children have so much frequency, so much light coming in their body that the neurological system can't function properly, and it short-circuits, and they have seizures. Um, they have developmental delays. There's a lot of things that are going on within their bodies that we're trying to figure out how to work with because <clears throat> they're advanced beings coming in the 3D meant to help us get into the 5D, but our bodies aren't quite evolved just yet. They're helping us get there. And every starseed, every generation of starseeds that's come in up until this point has participated in the physical body upgrades. I have, you have, our grandparents, our ancestors, every generation of starseed, whether we we consider their uh, journey successful or not, that's an ambiguous terminology because everybody has had somewhat of a successful journey even if they've committed suicide or they were suppressed so much that they became hermits and didn't really contribute to what society would deem um, positive. But them coming in through a physical body and shifting the DNA and anchoring their light even for a short period of time um, is way more influential than people really recognize. So we're working through that right now, and as we evolve, as our physical bodies evolve, we can bring in more light, and these children are going to have less health issues. 
hybrids. So there's a few types of, actually there's a lot of types of hybrids, but I'm only going to talk about the two that I, that I work with. One are children that are actually hybrids, meaning they have been brought here from another planet and they were made someplace else. They are true hybrid Arcturians. They are true hybrid Andromedans, etc. So they, are, they look different physically, they act different. Um, everything about them is different because they have different DNA than we do. But there is also an energetic uh, hybrid. And those children come in with more energetic DNA, so their spiritual blueprint is activated. So, so you see the etherical spiritual blueprint is directly affects the physical DNA. There's a direct correlation to it. So if their etherical blueprint is really strong, then they will, they will influence the physical DNA and the genetics. Everybody comes into the, the demographic or the area, the region that they're born, the um, ethnicity, all of it is relevant. Our blood types, all of it is relevant. And it, 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 the, I call them the dark players in my book, so I'm going to keep saying that. The dark players know that, so they target specific areas and regions of the world because they know what special characteristics that they have. Um, and these, these starseeds know exactly as well, so they come through and they bring um, themselves into specific bodies, but they look different. So we have Marfan syndrome. We have um, Williams disease, which is called the happy disease. Who says a disease of being happy is a disorder? Like, that's such an oxymoron. Like, these children are so happy, they had to come up with a disease for it. Um, Wolf Hirshhorn disease, most if not all of these diseases that they have is some sort of neurological disorder disorder, um, because they have such a high frequency, but they look different. So those people with Marfan syndrome, they have really long limbs, uh, long fingers, their skull is a little bit different, they have protruding eyes, you know, many of them are Arcturian. The, so Marfan syndrome is generally an Arcturian coming in and they're looking more like their form. Their true form is starting to show. So our human DNA is actually changing to accommodate the DNA of the star seed that's coming through or their origin. And our bodies are starting to change and our skull size are, is going to change and everything about us is slowly starting to change. And that's um, by design. Many of these uh, starseeds are here for the first time, and I'm talking about the truly high-frequency galactic or interterrestrial, interdimensional beings. They volunteer. They're so ascended in their journey. They're so enlightened already that they say, I'm going to volunteer to go from my high density down to the third density in order to help the humans evolve. Um, but they don't know what it, because a lot of them are light bodies, so they don't know what it feels like to be in these heavy, dense bodies, so they, don't, they walk different they talk different, they don't talk, they don't want to eat our food, they're learning and adjusting to what, it's, what it is to be a human being. And they do that on purpose because they need, to be the, they need to walk amongst us now because they're here as part of the transition and then they will be the leaders later on. So they're, they're serving an important purpose right now, but they're having a really hard time. They don't like traditional games that children play, they don't want to play with our toys, they don't want to watch movies that show Disney movies where every Disney movie a, a parent dies, something traumatic happens. Like my children wouldn't even watch those movies. They, they say, mommy, I don't like this. They don't want to watch that. They are not susceptible to our programs. Um, and this is again by design. They come in as a, as a first time human so that they are not um, vulnerable to 3D interference, which we're gonna get into. 
They're highly psychic and they're intuitive, which makes them very overwhelmed because they're extremely sensitive and they see. I had a child one time, I asked him, why don't you look at people in the face? You know, because that was the mom's question. Why won't my child look at anyone in the face? And I asked him, I said, why don't you look at anybody in the face? He said, because I can see their demons. These children can see your aura, but they also can see all your hitchhikers. They can see the entities that are attached to you. They can see beyond your eyes into your mind and what you're thinking, what your intentions are. So if a little child is scared of another adult and says, Mommy, I don't, and you know, they're shy and they cower, I hide behind your legs, the worst thing that parents can do is push them out and say, no, 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 this is what we do, you know, and force them. Because what you're doing is you're making them reject their intuitive abilities or their gut feeling or what they see and to go against that and not honor that and say, well, I have to listen to someone else outside of myself because I'm wrong. And they see what we don't see. You know, they see the darkness in people, their intentions. They're here to bring wisdom. They're very awakened. Um, they need less food. I had another child tell me once that we will eat two-thirds less food than we eat today. Two-thirds. That's a lot of less food than we're eating right now because a lot of the children right now, they're not eating as much. And they're telling me that they're getting their nourishment through light. Because they're high, higher density, they are nourished by the light that comes through. So they don't need the food that we eat. So we're all transitioning as well, and we will eat a lot less of the garbage that we're eating because it really lowers our frequency, makes us more dense, and we're less connected to our consciousness when our body is constantly digesting food all day long. Okay. I love this topic. Ancestral and soul healing. Our generation, there's several generations in this room. So let's say the generations that we are now are the generations that our ancestors have been waiting for. But the children is the generation that we're waiting for. And it's going to keep going. So our children come in, and they are literally healing ancestral lines. So my daughter is healing me, which heals my mother, which heals my grandmother, and so on. All the way down thousands of years. This is not just three, four generations. They are literally setting the groundwork because a lot of people get this question. Well, if, we, if the veil of forgetness, forgetfulness is present, how do we heal from our traumas? Well, if we are healed by our children through their presence, through their anchoring of light, through their wisdom, through them encouraging us to expand our awareness and shift our consciousness, then we are healing, but in, in a different way than we previously expected. This is going to be a hard concept to understand or to believe, but we don't need to sit on a table and be taken back, progress through hypnosis, and experience all those traumas again, cry through it. That's not relevant anymore. When we go into 4D and 5D, that's not how we heal. We don't have to relive those traumas. We're not kicking them under the rug or whatever you use, however that term is. We're not ignoring it. It's just a different way to heal. And so they are able to do that, and they're helping us through that by simply recognizing our intention. We can heal through our intention. Our intention is our, most, our biggest superpower. When we visualize and we put our mind to something, it influences every single thing in our life. Our physical body changes because our vibration changes. What we put out 
we attract, and if our intention is to heal, then we will heal. But if our, if our intention is, I'm not sure, I'm not ready, then we won't. And so they are here to help heal the ancestral lines for, for generations. And probably some of them are coming in fourth, fifth generation to heal the line that they were once in. <laughs> so, you know, this is a long-term plan. Okay, there are different types of uh, children. I'm going to go into really fast. And so indigos are mostly people in this room, you know, 30s to... 70s, 80s, you know, there's a lot of indigos. You could, indigos have even passed, passed on. Indigos are the first line of this ascension period. Now remember, starseeds have been coming in for thousands of years, but this is the first group that came in in present day in this timeline to help open up our hearts and expand the frequency and anchor and light to the planet. Generally, indigos are bringing in the, the newer earth children. So the indigos, we think differently, we act differently, we don't succumb to pressure as much, we don't, we're not handled and controlled, I'm certainly not. Um, we, we, we question things, we don't just take things at face value. We're the lions. The lions are in this room, we are the indigos. Doesn't mean that we are strong and invincible, in, in, we are strong, but doesn't mean we're invincible, like we have, we have feelings and we're quite sensitive, but we are triumphant. We, we are liberated, and we are moving this train forward. So the crystals come in next. So the crystals are in their 30s right now and up to teens. It's quite a big window, and the crystals come in to open up our hearts. They literally are like boomerangs of energy that come in and bring the love frequency all over the planet, and they encourage us to love again. That's what my son Jordan, that's what he did for me. He was, he's a crystal child. They are the most even-keeled person you'll ever meet. They, are, they love everybody. They love animals. They love the planet. They're empathetic. They're sensitive. They're kind. They're compassionate. They don't like conflict. They are peacekeepers. They, will, um, they remain neutral in the most difficult situation. We could have a tornado, and my son Jordan would stand there, and he would just... He's just like this all the time. It's the most amazing thing. I don't know how he does it. They don't react. And we, we need that energy because that, is, that has helped many people um, heal through their traumas. Because now I look at him and I try, to, I try to learn from his behavior. So in difficult situations, instead of reacting through my, um, through my fight or flight response, I look at him and I say, okay, I'm going to try to embody strength and I'm going to ground myself. And it works, you know, and so I'm learning from him. So crystal children are an incredible part of the starseed ancestry. Uh, star children are the ones that are often labeled with Asperger's. Um, a lot of times, again, we'll get into labels, but they are very in, uh, introverted, analytical, um, calculated, they don't like change, things need to be very consistent, they're often looking into the stars, they're very, they like to build things, take things apart, understand everything, um, they have a different social dynamic, crystals like everybody, uh, stars are more introverted and like, you know, like they just have to find their person, otherwise they're turned off by personalities that are a little bit too uh, charismatic, uh, and they are very left brain. So they have trouble with right brain activities. You know, they're, they're not that creative. They are, but not as creative as the crystals. Then we have the rainbow children that are still coming in and are, um, I'm sorry, stars are still being born up into the early 20s. And then we have the rainbows that have been coming in for the past 10, 15 years. And the rainbows are a combination of everything. They're indigos, 
their stars, their crystals, they come in with a lot of different qualities because they are the movers and the shakers. They're the future leaders of the world. They're spirited, they're difficult, they're challenging. They will question everything they do. They'll tell you you're lying because they know it. They're not afraid to tell you that they're wrong. They are the troublemakers in school because they're trying to tell their teacher that what they're saying is wrong and ridiculous and they don't wanna be there. They'll tell their parents, I don't wanna go to school. Um, and we have a lot of those right now, and, and they're beautiful, uh, but they're just really challenging to navigate, help them navigate through because what they lack is they, don't, they lack humbleness. Is that a word? They're not as humble because they're not because they have ego, but because they're so driven that they forget what other people feel. So you have to remind them that people might be hurt by the way you said that, so maybe we look at a different way to say that but they're so focused that they bulldoze through a crowd not worrying about who they're knocking down not because they don't want to hurt not because they want to hurt somebody or they don't care but because they have a job to do and they're not going to let anybody stop them divine are just okay i didn't put this together till recently divine children came in through the pandemic okay so they came in during the darkest period as the anchors to anchor in the light to help awaken humanity in such a profound way that they can heal you just by being in your presence. They're highly psychic. They are off-worldly uh, and, inter and interdimensional. They are exquisite. They, the things that come out of their mouth, all you have to do is just be in their presence and just stare and just look at them and you get downloads. They are activating people all over the planet, left and right. So they came in around 2019 to 2023. They're still coming in this year. Actually, sorry, that was expanded to 2025. I talked about that on a podcast. All right, this is my favorite topic. Not because it's good, but because it's important. I feel like my computer's in the wall. Okay, there you go. All right, 3D interference. This is what my third, my third book is just about finished, and I talk about 3D interference. Everybody needs to know what has been done to our reality to su suppress us, to program us, to manipulate us, to control us. It's everywhere and it's not some of the things you wouldn't even think about or know about. And I learned all of this from children. So how do we navigate through these negative programs? Womb toxicity and birth tra trauma. Let's, uh, the dark players, by the way, are the cabal, you know, all of, the, all of the terms, the Illuminati, I call them the dark players because I have to be careful the words I use in books and certain things. So when I refer to the dark players, that's just the negative influence, the 1% of the controllers on the planet that are way, the pyramid is way off this planet. People don't even realize it. Does, they don't have a name. <laughs> we don't see them. Um, but then they trickle down their power to, uh, to society and they control every aspect of our reality and put laws in place, et cetera. So it starts with womb toxicity and birth trauma. The womb, and when someone gives birth, they go through a birth portal. That's really important. Um, I can do a whole podcast on childbirth. It's, it's, it's a sacred opportunity for the soul to come through a birth portal that activates them and grounds them to this planet. And they do everything in this reality to have a traumatic, to provide a traumatic birth experience for both the mom and the child. And this is done on purpose because there's a reason why the United States is a first world country, has one of the highest rate of um, C-sections, cesareans in the world. We have the 
best technology, the best doctors, the more, than money, more money than we need. Why is that? Because they know that if they can disrupt the birth process and, and not allow a child to go through the birth portal, then they can disrupt them from the very moment that they're born. They can um, alter their vibration and they can, uh, what's the word? Um, I just, the word just left me. They can traumatize them and trick them so that they can get etherical viruses, which we'll talk about next. So they traumatize the mom throughout the, throughout the pregnancy, and then they ensure that the child has the most traumatic birth. When, they, when the baby doesn't go out the birth, or the, the birth path or the birth portal, they immediately cut the umbilical cord. And we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to wait several minutes to some cultures keep it on until it falls off because that blood supply is another activative portal. It's an energy center that keeps mom and baby connected longer and they purposely cut that cord so that they lose that blood supply, again, as a second le level of trauma for the child. And everything after that uh, will contribute to the child losing its sense of self and its light, dimming their light from the moment that they're born. And this is done on purpose. Because etherical viruses, has, who's here, who here has heard of etherical uh, viruses with babies? Okay, a couple people. When a, when a baby comes in and gets very ill within the first six weeks of life to six months, they have an etherical virus. So what that means is that they come into this earth in a traumatic way or their birth in a traumatic way, and a virus is attached to them in the etherical space. So it's not their physical body that gets the virus, it's the etherical body that gets some sort of an implant and some sort of negative energy. And, and what happens is it sticks there, when the baby goes home, then it seeps through and it affects the physical energy of the body and it manifests in a physical way and then they get RSV or they get some sort of whatever they get. My daughter at five weeks old had RSV, was hospitalized for five days. It was the most traumatic week of my entire life. And she had an etheric virus because she was attacked from the moment she came in because they didn't want, now I know what, I'm, what she's here to do, and they didn't want that, and they've been trying to stop me ever since. Um, and they tried to take her out. They do that. They, they know the starseeds that come in because they come in like comets of light. And that's how I see them. Uh, that's why the Aramis Collective logo has comets coming in, because their light starseeds come in as comets of light, and the dark players know exactly who they are, where they come from, what they're here to do, and they will do everything they can to block them from, from succeeding in their journey. So etherical viruses are one of those things that they can do. Um, they can do etherical implants. That's more extraterrestrial technology where they put an implant that keeps their vibration low throughout their whole life and they can keep track. They put trackers on them so that the greys or whomever they're being followed by can track them their whole life and they know exactly where they are, what they're doing. EMF interference um, and music. This one you guys know, you're a smart crowd. The music is designed uh, at 440 hertz and other, um, other non-beneficial frequencies that disconnect our our frequency uh, resonance, and it's designed to disconnect us from our consciousness, to cause dis-ease, to disrupt the flow of energy through our body, and it's designed on purpose. So rap, um, alter uh, alternative rock, heavy metal, a lot of that was introduced in our society on purpose so that it would disrupt the um, energy body of people, children more specifically, so that they would be more susceptible to programs and they have subliminal messages when you play the music in a certain way. So EMFs, everybody knows about the EMFs. We don't, I don't need to explain that. 
Woke agenda. Did you guys see my shirt this morning? <laughs> I designed a shirt that says Florida where woke comes to die. <clears throat> yeah, woke agenda is a very negative program. There's a difference between being awake and being woke. Awake means that you and I in this room, we're all awakening to our power. We don't need religion. We don't need to fight each other. We're not competing with each other. We love each other. We want to help each other. We're awakening to our essence, our power, our knowing, our divinity. That's being awake. But woke is about BLM, Antifa, all of these negative, transhumanism, all of these things that they insert and they activate NPCs in our reality, these non-player characters, these beings that have been taken over by AI, by um, soul swapping and many other techniques that they use in order to push forward an agenda where we continuously, we think we're fighting for something. Yes, of course black lives matter, right? But that's not their agenda. Their agenda is to divide the black community, to divide everybody so that we hate each other even more. Like it's an absolute joke. The Antifa, the riots, uh, defunding the police. Are you kidding me? Uh, it, these are all woke agendas that, we, that unfortunately our children are being influenced by these programs and they are expanding them. They are integrating within them. And this transgender agenda, I won't, I'm, I'm going to keep my cool and I'm not going to get into it too much, but the transgender movement is to bring us closer to transhumanism so that we can be controlled and we can be one gender and we can be closer to their god, Baal, and all the other demonic entities so that we can be controlled and that we don't have any love in, in communion. The biggest part of the woke agenda, besides all of that, does anyone know what their biggest agenda is? Well, yes, depopulation. Depopulation, yes, but it's breaking down the family unit. They are pulling us apart. They are taking children from their parents. They are, they are purposely, they are purposely glamorizing divorce. Nobody cares about marriage anymore. Like people get married and they're like, eh, I'll just get a divorce. No, that's not what marriage means. Marriage is a commitment. When you have a family, it's a commitment. Now, I'm not knocking divorce. My mom's a divorce attorney. My mom's been divorced. It's, you know, I don't judge. But when you insert these programs into the woke agenda, encouraging divorce as a fun thing, as, oh, look at all these TV shows, and we have these blended families, and it's so much fun. Isn't it cool? Don't you? You know, oh, I want to have two birthdays. I have children that say, oh, I'd love to have two birthdays at mom and dad's house. They're thinking about the presents that they're getting. They're not thinking about what's actually occurring here. The woke agenda is here to divide us so that we can be controlled even more than we are being controlled right now. Food, water, air, vaccines. I'm not going to get into this because everyone in this room knows what they're doing to our food. You know what they're doing to the, to the water. You know what's being done to the air. And we all know about vaccines, but I want to put that in there because it's important. Okay, this is a fun topic. Walk-ins. Who in here knows what a reverse walk-in is? Okay, fun. I'll talk about walk-ins first. Walk-ins is an exchange where one soul says... In a, in a higher level, I, I, can't, um, I can't fulfill this mission for whatever reason. They're, have, they're really struggling. They're, they, maybe they've been taken over by drugs and alcohol, and they, they bought into the programs, whatever it may be. Their soul sends out an SOS, 
and another soul comes through and will take over the body. This isn't done a lot. Like, there has to be good reason for it. You can't just give up. But if it's going to negatively affect many lives because that person had a really big role to play in humanity or perhaps the child that they're meant to bring through has a big role and it'll affect too many lives, they can't just let that person commit suicide um, or just lay on the couch on drugs their whole life. Like, they have to intervene. So a walk-in will come through, and they will take the memories of that person's um, up until that point. Not always. They don't always remember but they will take on those memories as their own and they will live out the life of that person, right? Makes sense. A lot, there's a lot of more walk-ins in the last 30 years than ever before. A reverse walk-in is something I learned through children. And the reason for that, the reason for reverse walk-ins is these children, these, these advanced beings, do not want to be a human child because it is very challenging to be a child here because of our... Uh, our primal aspect of being a human being com as compared to where they come from. They don't want to be a child. So a reverse walk-in is when they have somebody come through to take their place from birth to whatever age they decide. It could be two years old, three years old, five years old, ten years old, whatever. That is a placeholder. It's generally some sort of angelic soul or one of their soul, uh, someone in their soul family that will come in and maybe they've had more experience here so it's easier for them. And they will be in that body until that soul thinks that they are ready, or not thinks, they know they're ready to come through. So then they are the actual soul. So it's reversed. So there's a temporary walk-in, and then the soul comes through when they're ready. So my daughter is a reverse walk-in. When she was three years old, she had a tonsillectomy, and the moment she came out of that, she changed completely. Her personality changed. The things she liked to eat changed. Every aspect of her change that it was so obvious that everybody asked what was different about her. But I didn't put it together until years later um, because I needed to, I think, they, well, they told me I needed to figure it out for myself. But she is a reverse walk and She didn't want to be a child. I can see now she's got so much energy that I probably wouldn't have even been able to hold her um, throughout the pregnancy that I probably would have had preeclampsia or been really sick because she is she has a presence. If she walked in this room right now, everyone would feel it. It's electrifying. And she needed to wait till she could come in until her body could handle it. And so and also she was attacked as a child and they, she maybe they saw that coming. I mean there's a lot of reasons. So reverse walk-ins are the star seeds that come in now that um, need a little bit of time for the body to develop so that they can come through a little bit later. So they could come through during a surgical procedure. It doesn't even have a minor procedure. Anything where there's sedation, or some of them can even transition overnight during sleep time. It just depends. So it doesn't have to be like a, a, a very big deal or a near-death experience. Uh, nightmares, shadow beings. Children and adults see these shadow beings all over the world. I talked about this in so many podcasts. The, the, the movie Nightmare on Elm Street is, is true. They do attack us in the etherical space while we're sleeping because it's the easiest way for them to access us, and that's how they get to our children. It doesn't matter where you live in the world, how much money you have. None of that matters in the dream space because they can find you there. They will target you there. They will attack you there, and they do that to children all the time. And so I have had many children, parents call me and say, my child won't sleep by themselves. They're terrified. You know, my daughter didn't sleep by herself for three years. I slept in the bed with her until my husband said one day, babe, I need to sleep with my wife. And I felt like I needed to make a choice between my daughter and my husband. But luckily, her brothers let them sleep with her. And so she had somebody, because she needed somebody to sleep with, because she didn't feel safe. 
And so uh, parents ask me all the time, you know, my son, my daughter won't sleep with me. They're 12. How can I get them to go into their room? And when I talk to the children, they tell me. I see shadow beings, the red eyes. I'm being attacked, the mantis beings. They're coming through the wall. They come through the wall. I mean, a million stories. And so this one boy told me one time, I said, why won't you sleep by yourself? And he said, well, because uh, wolves and animals sleep in packs. Why don't you? So again, they're trying to encourage us to reevaluate the way we are trained. We don't need to live in these big houses where our rooms are separated, where our child is down the hall from us, where they have free access. You don't think that that's a design or a program by the dark players to get our children away from us? And I'm not saying everybody has to have their child sleep in the bed with them. I'm just explaining why this was put into our environment to encourage us to separate ourselves. And this child was saying, animals sleep in packs. Why don't you? Telling us, you know, we, you should, this is how we protect ourselves. And so, again, they're encouraging us to think about things a little bit differently. All right, I'm going to share some personal stuff. Black box technology. Anybody heard of that? There's lots of different types, okay? But I'm going to talk about the television today. I've had countless sessions with children that see demons coming out of TVs and cell phones and computers all the time. The TV is a portal, and that's why they want them in every home and every room, because it's a portal of energy where demonic entities can come through. And children see that, and that's a lot why a lot of children are afraid of the TV. And many of them have to have the TV on, because there's something about the TV being on where it's harder, there's more interference, and it's more difficult for them to come through. But if the TV is off and it's black, the portal becomes activated and they come through, especially during the twilight hours of the night. And I had a personal experience with this. I want to share something that I've never shared with anybody because it's embarrassing. But one time I went, my husband took me to Bahamas for my 40th birthday. I don't take drugs. I'm too sensitive. I'm a big fat baby, okay? So um, on my birthday, my husband's like, take this gummy. You know, just take it. You'll relax. There's no kids here. It's fine. And so I took it because why not? You know, I was by myself and I was just going to hang out at the pool. And five, ten minutes in, I mean, it was fast. Uh, I couldn't feel my legs. We had to go up to my room. And as soon as we walked, I, I couldn't, I was not in control of myself. And my husband is amazing and he's, he just knows exactly what to do always to bring me back to earth. But he, we walked into the room, he had to go to the bathroom. I don't remember this, but apparently I was walking towards the balcony and we were on the eighth, seventh or eighth floor, and I was going to open the sliding glass, and I hear my husband from the bathroom, he doesn't, I don't know how he knew where I was, but he said, Sherry, get away from the door right now. And I was like, in the moment I was like, okay. And I went back and I just like laid on the bed, but I was like beside myself. I was like in another reality and I was freaking out. And so I lay down and all of a sudden I'm in front of the TV. He comes out of the room. He lays next to me and he's just kind of like holding my arm, telling me to calm down. It's fine. And demons are coming out of the TV. The most scary demonic things are coming out of the TV. The TV starts to wave at me and I don't, I can't talk by the way. I can't feel my body and I am paralyzed at this point. And I see demons coming out of the TV, and they're taunting me, and they're flying around the room. And I'm, like, thinking in my mind, what the fuck is that? Like, I've never seen anything like that before. 
And I didn't know about black box technology at this point. This, none of this had come to, no children had come to me to tell me about it, and I was really tripping out. These demons started coming into my, my space, and they told me, kill your husband. He's a bad person. You need to take him out. It's okay. You can just slit his throat. I mean, they were telling me some really scary things to do. They were taunting me, saying that he's nothing. Just kill him. And I'm literally, I want to, like, paralyze, and I want to tell him to help me, and I can't speak. I can't move. Um, that was my first introduction to black box technology, and it exists, and they come through the portals of the TV, and I learned a lot about it after that experience, and perhaps I needed to go through that experience. But in my defense, after we found out that the gummies he gave me were for cancer patients, and the purpose of them is to numb your whole body so you can't move and you sleep for life. I slept for like 18 hours. My birthday was, my poor husband laid on the bed next to me, and I didn't get up for like forever. I Poor guy, but that's what he gets. He should have looked at the label before he gave me this high-potency cancer medication. <laughs> okay, but, but it was an experience that taught me something valuable because now I know what goes on in the, the TVs and the screens and the technology, and all you have to do is use your intention and say you, you don't consent. You do not consent to them coming through. Mirrors are the same thing, but mirrors work in a different way. Mirrors work in the way that um, how the fear matrix works. They target us in many ways, one to shame us and one to stroke our ego. So there's a reason why mirrors are all over the place and in gyms, because if a person is looking in a mirror and they say, damn, I look good, and they're working out and like looking at their muscles, that ego is activating the mirror portal, and beings can come through and they can attach to you. There's a reason why when I was a child I was terrified of mirrors, I didn't know why. But now I, don't, I understand why. I guess I knew that on some level. And I've never been a... I don't like mirrors. Um, you know, I just... I'm weird around mirrors. The other, the other thing that they do is if you're shameful. So everything is designed that these gorgeous women are all over the, you know, the internet and models and celebrities because it's, a, it's something that most people can't live up to those expectations. So when we look in the mirror and we feel shame, and, and this is the men too, but a lot of women experience this. We're not looking and feeling good about ourselves. We're looking at the mirror, looking at the, how big we are, or, or I want to look like this or that, and we have shame. So when we are shaming ourselves, looking in the mirror, we open the portal. So be mindful of... All, a lot of this stuff is just being mindful so that you know... When you're mindful, you can put the intention and you don't consent to that. We all know about television and, and MKUltra, so I really won't, won't talk about that, but, the, but we're being programmed through the TV. And the children, the, thing, the important thing about this is the children know on some level and they are not participating. They won't watch a lot of this stuff. But you can see that there has been an increase in sexual uh, sexuality, and sex and um, violence. Even for young, there are shows on Netflix that are targeted for tweens and my daughter that the woman was showing her daughter how to give a blowjob. Unacceptable, I'm sorry, I'm not a prude person, but like that's where I draw the line. Like, and it's happening on a lot of different shows where they are explicitly talking about sex and sexuality. They're sexualizing our children. It's disgusting. And that's, that's part of the dark player's agenda is not only to program us, uh, but to desensitize us 
to sex, drugs, alcohol, you know, all of those things. Uh, ET interference. I was, I was told it was called ET interference, but I know a lot of you guys call it black box technology. But what I have been told is as part of the satellite system, the EMFs, and many other technologies through the TVs probably and all these portals, there are frequencies being, um, what is the word I'm trying to think of? They're being broadcasted 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I hate myself. I'm ugly. I am not loved. I am not supported. I am not good enough. I, in my book, I give you like 50, 50 some examples of all of the frequencies being uh, broadcasted 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They are affirmations, but they're negative affirmations through this voice of God technology, whatever you want to call it. Now, the way it works is if one person is walking around and they're resonating in a certain vibration or they're in a mindset or depression, sadness, weakness, whatever, they will pick up on that broadcast because it's just like a, a radio station. If you're tuned to it and you, and you connect with it, you will hear that transmission through your subconscious and you think about it as if it's your own thoughts. So you're thinking, you're just walking randomly and you're thinking, my parents don't love me. I'm ugly. I'm fat. I'm never going to be good enough. Whatever those, whatever. It's a technology. We are being um, influenced all day, every single day by these frequencies, but they don't care who picks it up. We're just the worker bees to them. So as long as they know that a majority of people are going to pick up that negative frequency. They don't care who gets it. It doesn't matter which one of you in this room says I'm fat and which one says my mom hates me, as long as we get the message. And they target the children because the children can hear it. So they're telling me that they're at school or they're out, and, they're, and my daughter had it recently where she was telling me that something was whispering in her ear I, that mom doesn't love you, and you're not good enough, and you're fat, and all of these horrible things. So they hear it, they just don't understand what it is and where it's coming from, but they broadcast it all the time. And this, this, this is them trying their best to amp up their, um, their defense from the spiritual war to try to uh, attack us as much as possible and suppress us. That's just one example of voice of God technology. Um, abduction, DNA, hybrid programs. Uh, we're going to get into this this week, so I don't think I need to spend too much time on it, but um, this is a big part of 3D interference. Abductions alter our frequency, 20 and back programs, all of these secret space, all of this stuff. There's a nefarious reason, but then there's also things that happen to us to our benefit as well. And so it just depends on what end of the pendulum is swinging and what, what the purpose of it is. Um, but our DNA is the target, as well as our consciousness. We have something called cerebral spinal fluid. Does anyone in here know how valuable our cerebral spinal fluid is? Everybody talks about the pineal gland, but they don't talk about our spinal fluid. And the reason for that is because it is the only tangible physical element of our physicality that holds the frequency of our life force because it is water. It's not in our blood, it's our, it's, our, it's our connection down our spine, our kundalini through our pineal gland, and it is very powerful. It is very powerful. It's the catalyst to our spiritual awakenings, our connection to our divine source, our galactic families, and they want it. That's why they introduce meningitis to our society so that they can have an excuse to give spinal taps so that they can take extract that fluid, not to our benefit. 
So there's a lot of things that they do where they want to access. But the thing is, they can't replicate the cerebral spinal fluid. No matter how much they try, they can't, they can't hijack that. They can try, but they can't recreate it. Um, but they still, they don't give up. Um, quantum entanglement. Quantum entanglement. Um, there's a good and there's a bad. So quantum entanglement, the good side of quantum entanglement is that what I talked about earlier. We're all connected on some level, and every lesson that I learn, every accomplishment that I have, every setback that I have, good, the bad, the indifferent, goes into the collective knowledge, and we can all benefit from it. We can all download our learnings, our experiences, and that's a very positive thing. And that's why people spontaneously have epiphanies all over the world where they have the cure for cancer, or they have some spiritual knowledge to share with the world because we are entangled in this quantum web of light. So that's a good thing. And the higher our frequency and the more connected to our divinity, the more knowledge we hold. We have the access to the Akashic records. There's lots of different names for it. But in quantum entanglement in the 3D and the negative interference or the interface um, is what I mentioned with the... Um, voice of God technology where we are intertwining with all of the negative affirmations and the woke agendas and all the neg negative programs. And we are downloading those things as if they are our thoughts, all the fears, all the worries of the anxiety of the collective. I would encourage each one of you to stand up at one point and, and ask yourself if the anxiety I feel in this moment is mine. And a majority of you are going to get a no if you really focus on the answer that comes from your heart, not your mind. Because a lot of us are holding resentment, anxiety, fear from the collective through quantum entanglement. And so we, quantum entanglement links to our genetic line too. So there's triggers, there's cellular memories, there's cellular traumas that link to um, our activation. So it lives within, with, inside of us. So if I have some sort of a trigger or an experience, that's going to link me to another lifetime. So people have phobias. You know, I have a, I have a, me personally, I have an irrational fear of ocean waves. Like it's pretty bad and my children think it's hilarious, but I won't get in the ocean if there's waves. And I know that I had a lifetime in Lemuria where I was a midwife, which is why I do, I have so much information about birth and birth trauma and why I did hypnobirthing, why I did hypnotherapy and all of that. And, but I drowned in that life. And so I am fearful of the ocean. Um, and it's coming through various, at various times through activated triggers. It could be when I'm at the ocean and I look at a wave or it could be completely separate of that because someone else somewhere is having an experience of drowning and I connect to it. And they could be on the other side of the world. So quantum entanglement has no time and space because the quantum has no time and space. Um, epigenetics kind of goes along with this, is our clearing our cellular trauma so we can recreate the essence of our spiritual blueprint where we can uh, change our physical, our physicality. Um, in, in, sorry, into um, more light beings. Our bodies are upgrading, so we're becoming more light. We're becoming more powerful. And so um, the cellular trauma is, what's the word? I keep, by the way, your memory really goes through this ascension period, and I can never remember the words, or I walk into the kitchen and I say, what the heck did I walk in here for? And all the time. 
um, we can heal those cellular traumas. And so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really uncomfortable. And we were talking about this in the last few days. You know, this healing phase of the activating, it's bringing everything to the surface, and it's not fun, and it's certainly not a good time for most. But it's really an important part of our, of our evolution. It's part of our activation. And we need to embrace it by surrendering and just letting go because it's a good thing. We are bringing up all of that like steam. You know, the pot is boiling and the steam is going away and we're healing from it. So the gene memory is starting to change. We can change the gene memory by activating our spiritual blueprint. Sex magic. Who knows about sex magic and why they use children for sexual activity? So sex magic is a very powerful portal created through light beings when there is a sexual connection that, of love. So when somebody makes love with somebody else and there is love between the two, you can activate your kundalini, you can open portals. It's very powerful energy, and then many people would do something with that energy. They will create. They will do something with that energy that they've just harvested. So the dark players will use sex magic. So that's why everybody's running around sleeping with everybody on this planet, because they benefit from those sexual interactions that mean nothing. Maybe in the moment it means something, but in the, the grand scheme of things, for people who aren't in a relationship, they are creating this sex magic portals that we don't even realize are there, and they're using them to their benefit. So that's why they sexualize everything. Um, I'm not even going to get into the dark part of the children, um, but that's a big reason why they do that is because these sexual acts create portals of energy, and they're one of the most powerful things that we can do, but they utilize that power for dark purposes. Um, and so sex magic is a very big part of the, of the 3D programmings, and that's why sex is everywhere. Porn, um, porn opens portals. I don't need to tell people in this group. When you watch porn, you are activating that portal through that TV, that phone, and you are inviting a lot of dark energy into your space. Okay. I don't even know what time it is. Okay, I'm good. Okay, labels. We got to stop using labels. This is one of my biggest pet peeves and some, one of the, my biggest things that I'm advocating for change is we have to stop labeling our children because if we don't fit into this beautiful design box of society and societal norms as the little cute sheep that follow the sheep in front of us and we do everything that we're told, then they have to put us in another box of the bad, you know, the bad people, the bad kids, um, and this is wrong. When I started working with children, um, I would get a lot of labeled ADHD, autistic, Asperger's, dyslexic. I would get a lot of them. And I, wasn't, I, didn't search, I didn't search for answers for these topics. It wasn't something that I was that interested in at the time. But for some reason, I was attracting that. And I think it was because I was meant to um, be a catalyst of information to share with the world through what I learned through my sessions with children. And there is a spiritual and energetic explanation for every single one of the labels that they use. So for instance, ADHD. These children are highly active. They are multidimensional. 
All you have to say, instead of taking, instead of using ADHD, just write multidimensional, because that explains every single symptom they have. They can't sit still. Their brain is working a million miles a minute because they're multidimensional beings. They have, they're thinking about a million different things. They're in a million different places at the same time, which many of them are. They're, they're tapping into parallel realities. Like it's torture to have them sit still in a classroom, in a prison-style classroom with fluorescent lighting, with a teacher talking monotonously for hours at a time. Like, no wonder these children can't focus on what they're saying. They're like, they're bored out of their mind. They can't sit still. They need to move around. Like, our bodies aren't actually designed to sit in chairs all day long. We, we, we sleep in a bed, we get in a car, we drive to work, we sit in a chair, we sit and we go back on the couch, and then we go back to, like, we're meant to move around a lot more than we are, but they sedate us. So a lot of us are more acclimated to the sedation through the food that we're eating, the food and the programming, the TV, and all the things that they do to keep us sitting. But the children, they're like, I don't want to sit still. I want to be outside. They want to move. They want to do something. And so ADHD is a result of their high energy, their high frequency. But they're labeled as they have, and they have behavioral issues because they don't understand why no one else understands why they can't sit still. They're looking at us like, what's wrong with you guys? But then the society is looking at them like there's something wrong with them. And then they're medicated. So yeah, they're going to sit still. But then they disconnect from who they are and they become a shell of themselves. And they lose their multidimensionality. And it's a disgrace what they do to these children. And so we're constantly being ushered into the societal paradigms. So we have to fit in. You have to do exactly what you're told. And if not, then you're breaking down the system. Well, these children are breaking down the system so that we don't have schools designed for them to sit still for all these hours and learn things that they don't want to learn. They're letting us know that, which I'll get into education more. Autism is a, is a spectrum, as we know, and Asperger's is a spectrum, is, is a category within that spectrum. But really, those, just to, to take the names out, highly intelligent starseed children, especially the star category, are, um, are highly intelligent and very focused. They don't want to play with things that other kids are playing with. They don't like toys. They don't want to play with other kids. They don't understand, like, why these kids are doing, you know, playing with dirt and running around and doing things that we would say is normal, but to them, it's like, that's ridiculous. Like, what, what are they doing? I don't understand what they're doing. And then they come and they want to hang out with the adults because the adults are talking about something maybe that they, th they think is interesting. And so they, but they're looked at as, you know, there's something wrong with them. They're acting weird. Oh, that's a weird kid. They don't talk much. They, because they are calculated. They're very focused and they're listening. They're observing. Maybe they don't want to speak. They don't want to speak our language. We're going to get to word curses in a minute, but but they don't want to, they're not going to participate in a lot of the, our, what they call rituals. We don't realize how many rituals that we're participating and consenting to on a daily basis that they're like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to be a part of that. And so they are the innovators. They are the architects of the new world. They are the, they're coming in and they're going to show us, they're the way showers. They're going to show us a new way to do things. So they're very focused and very driven and they're highly intelligent, but they are ostracized for their high psychic abilities um, because they don't fit in, because their personality is a little bit different than everyone else. They don't want to look in your eyes because they don't want to see everybody's garbage. I don't want to, if, how, imagine how overwhelming it would be if in this, I clicked my fingers and everybody suddenly can look at everyone in the room, see all their demons, all their traumas, their lies, their manipulation, their intention, the good, the bad, everything. Uh, how overwhelming would that be for you guys? Like, I don't want that. 
But these children aren't asking for it either, but they, that's what they have it. And so they are very like put off by and overwhelmed by a lot of the things that they see and hear because they don't understand it. It's like, whoa, way too much. Because no matter how evolved you are, when you come in through the portal of a human being and you're in a, in a body, you still, have, you still function through the consciousness of the age that you're in, regardless of how ascended you are. And so it's really hard for them to articulate in words or actions how they feel because they're still a child trying to express themselves at, at a young age. And so it's very challenging. That's why we have reverse walk-ins, because they don't want to deal with that. They don't want to deal with that. Um, you know, we have these autistic children that, you know, they walk a little bit funny, um, or they need, to sw they need to sit in the back and they, they swing around, and they, you know, they're, they're uncomfortable. They won't look at people in the eyes, and, you know, they have learning disabilities. Uh, they don't have learning disabilities. They're trying to show you that we have the learning disability, and they're trying to expand our horizons, and so they're trying to show us something other than what we have been programmed to think is normal. Um, and dyslexia, same thing. These beings come in, and they see the, the, the reverse. They can't read, prop, the, they can't read our writing, or they can, the numbers seem rever are reversed to them, and they have challenges. Um, because they don't identify. They simply don't identify with the 3D. So these children are like fish out of water, and they don't identify with our reality, our rules, our norms. And so they are, a lot of them are in shock, and they don't know how to function. And so they are, they're not thriving. And so they need our support to help, help expand the collective knowledge so that we recognize that the, these children don't need to be drugged. They don't need to be secluded in their own classroom. They need to be uh, catered to as an individual. The biggest, uh, the biggest mistake parents make is raising their children how they think they should be and treating them as a collective, as a group, and not an individual. And that was the hardest lesson I had is I have to parent my children, all three of them, differently, and they react differently to everything I do. They need to be disciplined differently. They need to be talked to differently. That's exhausting, by the way. but. It's necessary because Jordan, my highly sensitive kid, if I even look at him the wrong way, if there's an inkling that I'm upset with him, he'll just start to cry. He breaks down. He can't stand the thought of anybody being disappointed in him. Then I have Aramis, who could care less if I'm mad at her because she is her way is the right way, and she will argue me until I drop. So I have to be more calculated with her, and sometimes I tell her, I can't do this right now, and, and I walk away from her, and, I, and mommy needs a timeout. And then Skylar, yeah, we need timeouts, not children, by the way. And then Skylar, he's very analytical. I called him Sheldon, like the character from Big Bang. Like, he needs me to sit and explain it to him until he gets it. And then when he understands why, he's like, oh, okay, and that's it. Like, no argument. He just needs an explanation. So every child is equipped with their characteristics, their bandwidth, and they need, they need our respect. We need to cater to them as opposed to us, them catering to our needs. Okay, indoctrination. I've said this a bajillion times, but school is louche. Louche is school. <laughs> Okay, that was designed on, on, um, for a reason. They, brought, they bring our children into these buildings in, in to indoctrinate them uh, so that they can feed off of their energy and they can harvest their energy and they can suppress their light and then they can send them into the control, um, 
the control paradigm or whatever I'm trying to say. So in school, children learn, um, they learn obedience, they learn how to follow their leader, they learn to second guess everything, they lose their creative insights, their creative abilities. I mean, why do children have art one day a week as a special, but yet they have math every single day? Like, it's absolutely ass backwards. And anything that our school systems can do to take away the creative element for children um, and insert programming where they have to memorize and memorize, and regurgitate, and memorize, and memorize, and mem they're just preparing these children for when they become adults, and we memorize, and we do everything that we're told. Um, it's just training. School is just training. They're, they're, they're being taught, you know, his story. It's not history. It's not real, but it's his story. It's the dark agenda's story, what they want us to know. Um, that's what they're learning in school. They're losing their self of their loss of their sense of self, and they're losing their imagination. They're losing their ability to create. But where we are right now, we're in the Great Awakening. So this is where we're going to wrap this up into a positive because things are changing, and we wouldn't be here. So thank you to Tyler and Aaron for bringing me here, but also putting this together because this is how we do it. We co-create. Yeah. You know, we co-create. We use, we use our power. I mean, we stand in our power. I tell people, you stand in your power, and you don't accept anything less than that. You are good. Every single person in this room is good enough. You don't need somebody to tell you what to do, to validate you. It's, but it's amazing to have a community of support, yes, so we can hold each other's hands and we can lift each other up. That's what we should do. Instead of pulling each other down and fighting over likes and followers and money, this is the Great Awakening. This is where we're headed. So uh, what I, sorry, I, I should have said before, what I want to get into right now is I want to show you or talk about what the children are, are showing me is coming, the changes that are coming. So with regard to health and wellness, what I see as, 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 is changing um, is, well, first, the collapse. Um, the collapse of the medical system, and the arrival and the birth of something beautiful, where it's small boutique-style healing centers and wellness centers, where people have control of their own healing, and they have the ability to try different things, and it's not controlled by the dark players, and they're, um, they're, all they care about is money and controlling us and making us more sick. And so if children learn Reiki, for example, as a small child, then they are, they are taking responsibility for their health and their wellness. And as an adult, they would handle their, their healing way different than we handle it now. Well, not us, but most people without knowing. And they just take a pill for everything. So the health and wellness industry is going to change. And I see these be beautiful boutique locations all over the world where we are in control. And every area might have something different, and that's okay. Uh, the leadership is changing. I see what I'm being shown is something kind of like what I've seen in my past life and other lives is Lemuria, where we have councils of leadership. So it's not it's it's much more um, shared responsibility. I like to say. So I see people on these councils as young as five, six years old, all the way to who knows how long we're going to live, but very very old. And it's and it's about sharing responsibility, but um, holding each other accountable. Um, and so there's, it's a frequency. A lot of where we're moving into has to do with our frequency. And you can't lie. You can't fake it. You know, you, you can't fake that. So uh, 
it's like we become the lie detectors like our children are, and we can tell people's intentions, and we'll know what the good leadership is trying to portray and what they're not. And so I see a complete overhaul of leadership where we don't have, I don't think we're going to have a president. Um, I think so many things are going to change that the dark player's political agenda as part of the woke agenda um, will, will dissolve. Uh, quantum military, I've talked about this a bunch of times. Children are showing me a new wave of, of military, which probably the word military with such a negative connotation will change at some point. I don't know what that word will be. But it's much more structured where we have a unified front where we are protecting the globe as a collective. Um, and I know it sounds very similar to one world government and, and the dark agenda, but believe me, they stole that from us because they know that that's how it, how it works. They know that that's the way to do it, but you have to do it in a way where it's not nefarious. And so quantum military will have factions where there's inner earth, there's the ground, outer earth, then there's air, and then there is interstellar. And so people that go into the quantum military is going in for humanity. It's humanitarian. And so there will be um, architects, there'll be engineers, there'll be psychics, there'll be in, um, innovators of all types of people, all walks of life working in these different factions with the collective effort to keep Earth safe and to keep us in 5D and beyond and not controlled. So it's the opposite of what we have now and so we call that the quantum military. I could go into all of this stuff a lot more but I'm trying to get through this because I don't know how long I have. Okay, let's get into education. So that's my passion, that's my baby, and that's probably what brought me here today. So you've heard me talk a little bit of educa about education and how we are gonna change it, and it starts with me, starts with all of you, um, and <clears throat> it, we, have to, we have to play active roles and fight for our children, because again, they are the generation that we've been waiting for, but there are many generations to come, and I believe that the, the the role that I signed on to play for my daughter who came to me before she was born and said we had a big journey together. What I realize now what that is, is to help create something for her. Well, everything that I'm doing is not for me. I hate being up here, by the way. Like, I don't like the spotlight on me. I don't like it. Uh, but I'm doing this so that I can create something for her to take over one day. And it benefits not only my children, but it benefits everybody's children. Um, and that's why I call it Aramis. And so Aramis is a, <clears throat> eh, what happened? Oh, I went the wrong way. My... So Aramis Creative Learning Center was established about three years ago. And the point of what I create was I wanted to create a spiritual center for children to learn about esoteric, metaphysical, like really fun stuff that, that I was teaching people how to do. And when the pandemic came, and everybody had their own unique experience with their children with the school system, and we really saw like the illusion, like the, the veil was completely lifted, and we really could see what they were doing to our children. Um, everything changed for me. And my husband came to me one day, and he said, Sherry, you've been talking about the education system for years and how bad it is, and you don't want Jordan to go to college, and this and that. And he said, but I didn't know that you were going to be the one to do something about it. And I said, you know what I said to him? I was like, well, shit, I didn't either. <laughs> like, I didn't plan that. Like, I didn't want that. I didn't know that's what I was going to do. But that's, it morphed into that because I think that my spirit guides, my higher self, whatever, how they all know that if Sherry was told what I would be doing now years ago, I would have been like, nope, pass. 
no, no, like somebody else take it, right? But I, so it all had to happen organically in the order that I, I could handle because this is about me too. Like I have to be able to handle these things and I don't like being in the spotlight. Remember, I spent a majority of my life hiding, wearing all black, baggy clothes, trying to be like not seen. So like this is really hard for me. Um, so Aramis Creative Learning Center was created to give children an alternate opportunity where I believe that this is the future of education. And as the systems break down, this will provide an alternative platform that will transform at some point to primary. Um, and, and really the reason for that is I'm not saying Aramis is taking over the world, like I'm not trying to be McDonald's and, and turn this negative, but I think that it will just be the catalyst for people all over the world to say, yeah, I want this. I want to do something similar so that they do their own, like they create their own. So yes, there will be Aramis centers everywhere, but hopefully there will be a lot more. Um, our mission statement is, is uh, based on the foundation of intuitive-based learning where children's emotional wellness is the driving force. I hope they learn something, but I want them to have a good life and I want them to have fun. That's my first objective. I don't care how much they memorize, but their emotional well-being is the most important thing. We need to teach them the foundation. So we have something called the Aramis Initiative. We have the Aramis Philosophy. I mean, I've used Aramis everywhere, poor girl. Um, but really, the, the initiative is to create an intuitive-based learning structure. What does that mean? That means that children can decide what they want to learn, and it's more self-directed. They, they are in the driver's seat, and they can control the speed of which they learn, what they learn, and how they are taught. So our mentors are, we have mentors. We don't have teachers. And the mentors, are their purpose is to guide them, to help them, but not to teach them, because that's indoctrination. We need them to help guide them and um, push them, gently push them in the direction that is best suited for them. And so our mentors need to know how to interact with different types of children. So if one children needs to swing in the back of the room and jump up and down while, while they're teaching, well, they're okay to do that because we provide the space uh, for them to be themselves. Um, they need to understand what they're learning about, real life relatability. You know, kids ask this all the time, mommy, why do I have, how many of you have a child or know a child that says, why do I have to learn this? What is this for? Like, and what do you say to them? Like, half the time I'm like, I don't know, because most of it is, is, not, is, is, not, is not relevant. It's not relevant. You know, like, okay, sir, yeah, math is important. Like, we need to know how to do some math and some reading, but a majority of it is just booklets that they're brought home, and they just read it, and they memorize it, they answer the questions, they turn it in, they get credit. They don't remember it. I don't even remember it. When I read it with my son, I'm like, what did we read about last week? I don't know. Um, it's absolutely absurd. They don't have any foundational understanding of what it is that they're learning and how it relates to their, the significance of their life. They need to be outside. They don't need to be inside. There's enough of this inside, although this room is beautiful. But the, the fluorescent rooms with the, with the prison-style windows and the long hallways, you know, there's a reason why prisons and schools look identical. Um, and we got to get them outside. They need to be with animals and nature. We need to reconnect and reestablish the human-animal bond. We, animals are so significant in our life, and I can do a three-hour presentation just on animals and everything I learned during my time as an animal communicator and everything that they have to do for us and what they have to say. Um, I don't have time for that, but children connect with animals very easily, 
and they expand our consciousness. And if an, a child is outside doing math with the horses, it's way more fun than being in a classroom. So they need to be outside. They need to have their hands in the dirt. They need to connect and learn how to ground and what it means to ground. And why do we ground? What does that mean? There are a lot of adults that ask me, oh, I heard you talk about grounding. What is that? Are you kidding me? Like, wh that's, that's not okay. Uh, mind, body, and emotional wellness, all three need to be incorporated. You know, we'll have wellness centers in every single location, which I plan to be in, as many of them, um, where children get on uh, bio mats because they have a tummy ache, they go and lay on these warm bio mats. They have crystal healing rooms. They have salt, lamp, salt lamps in the classrooms. You know, they have a Reiki practitioner that, that does Reiki on them. Um, sound healing. That's what the nurse's office should look like, not the cold, sterile room that they have now that they're super scary. They need to go into a, a, a healing rooms and space where they feel like they understand what they can do there to heal themselves. No testing grades or hierarchies. We won't do that. Children shouldn't be tested because it teaches them to devalue themselves when they don't get the, the, right, the right grade or they compete with each other. That's not appropriate. So there's no hierarchies, there's no grades, and there certainly is no grade levels because we want children to be together. Why do we isolate children by age? They'll tell you it's because of developmental stages and that's absolute garbage. We need children to be around other children of different ages because they can teach each other. Young children have just as much to teach the older children as the older children have to teach the younger children. They need to be around each other so they can influence each other in a positive way. And so we need to keep them together. So our current operation, um, we are worldwide, three different time zones, and we're virtual only. Um, so we have a la carte classes. Children just choose what they want to learn about. They see Mark's class on starseeds, and then they see someone else talking about crystals. They get to choose. They get to learn about emotional wellness, mind-body mind wellness, conflict resolution. Anything that you can imagine, we have taught it at this point. And every month, we have something different. And so we have a digital library of classes and parents. You know, a lot of parents want to know how to, uh, how to do a lot of this stuff. So we have parent classes as well so that they can, they can learn, you know, what the children are learning. Um, we have divinely guided children's books that many of you have seen in, in the other room. I had this idea a couple of years ago where, like, why do children, why are children's books so terrible? And so I took it upon myself to write my own. And so we have, uh, I think, 10 now children's books out, and we have 19 or 20 uh, cartoon episodes that are, this, uh, that are based off of this. And it's a way for children to learn about important things that they're not taught right now in school, about spirit animals, ele earth elements, uh, spiritual toolbox, how to breathe through your emotions, what the ascension is. Greek mythology, I put that in because my son is obsessed with Greek mythology, so that was a birthday present for him. Uh, Vivian and dreams, you know, learning about our dreams and how to interpret them, what they mean. Uh, mindfulness in Superpowers is one of my favorite books because it teaches children that they have their own superpowers. They are a superpower in themselves, and they need to understand that, how to tap into it. And then our newest book, Luna Meets Bigfoot. I channeled a uh, Sasquatch a couple months ago, and his name was Yoni, and he was a juvenile, and he said, you're going to write these books, we're going to write them together, and here we are. Here we are with the first one. That was just in time for this conference, and I think that's not... That's very synchronistic. That was not an accident. Sky Universal is our 
virtual reality platform. I was very hesitant, admittedly, to do virtual reality because I don't believe in the metaverse. And I said no for a while. And my husband convinced me to do it. And the reason for that is because regardless of what's happening, we, we are evolving in technology. And we need to get ahead of it. And we need to take control. And so if we have an opportunity for children to interface with other children all over the world in an environment that we've created that is safe, then they can go to Atlantis. They can go to the moon. They can go to wherever it is that our imagination can take them. They can go into our virtual reality world, and they can learn about those things in a very immersive experience. And so we have been putting this together for two years now, and you guys are the first to see the the, the world. I've never shown this to anybody. So this is what it, part of what it looks like. It's a combination of ocean. Um, my husband wanted it, the main building to look very galactic. And there are animals all over the place. There's hippos, rhinos, giraffes laying around. The kids can go um, under, this is a dark picture, but they can go in and they can see underwater creatures and learn about them. And then there are portals all over the world where they can go to Atlantis, Lemuria, wherever they want, wherever we have, whatever we can design for them. And so I'm really excited. This probably won't launch officially until next year because you wouldn't believe the amount of money it costs to put something like this together and the work, but I'm really excited about it. And now I'm, um, I'm really, I'm all about it because I think that it's really necessary for our children to take advantage of this technology. Okay, I'm almost done, guys, so bear with me. Um, the short-term plan for us is to open our first physical location in Florida, and we will, uh, that will be the first of many to come all over the world. And so Florida is the location I chose because the people chose it. I didn't choose it. I put out a survey years ago and I said, where do you guys want the first location to be? I lived in Maryland. And the overwhelmingly number one place that I got was Florida and Texas was number two. So those are the first two locations. We will open our first two centers and then they will expand all over the world. Um, but we are, I'm not going to read through this, but we're going to have horses, a wellness unit, outdoor facilities, indoor facilities that don't look like a prison, windows everywhere, wall-to-wall uh, -wall windows, just absolutely beautiful, serene, gardens, many areas for the children to be outside, lots of animals. Luna, the reason I got Luna, our golden retriever, is to be the first Aramis ambassador, so she will be free roaming at the first school so that she could be with the children whenever, like any classroom she wants or anywhere she wants to go. She will be um, as our, our, little, our little mascot, although our mascot is actually a hummingbird. Um, oops, sorry, wrong way. This is like a rough draft of what we would do with the space. It's not gonna look, it's not gonna look like this, but this is just an idea um, where I could show people kind of, you could see the main building is little tiny, and then everything else is outside structures. Now, of course, demographically, wherever these are, you're, we're going to be restricted by weather, of course. Um, so we'll, we'll accommodate. But everyone will be different. And imagine, I, part of our future, I see us traveling more and the borders opening up. So families can go all around the world. Imagine there being an Aramis Center everywhere you go so your children aren't um, they aren't confined to one school. So if your family wants to take a vacation and travel through Europe or go to wherever they want to go, they can just pop into an Aramis Learning Center at any point and their children can take a class. So they're going to be unique based on the location that they are in. 
So it's very organic, very holistic, and evolving, and this makes people very uncomfortable. We will not have a curriculum, and we will not have a franchise, because each one will be unique and different on purpose. And then we'll expand globally. I just wanted to put a plug for my new book. Everything that I talked about today, um, and so much more, is in my latest book that will be coming out this summer. Um, I keep at, it's, it's really done, but I can't stop adding to it. It's driving me crazy. So at some point, I'm going to put a deadline, and then I will cut, it, cut myself off, and then maybe I'll do a part two. I went into whatever, everything I said today and more, but that's going to come out um, probably realistically July. Okay, so this last bit, I'm going to apologize to Tyler in advance. I just want to tell everybody how much I love Tyler, and he has created all of my promo videos, and he is absolutely freaking fantastic. And I want to share one of the promo videos that he made for me because it's very personal to me. We call it the Aramis Initiative, the Unstoppable, Aramis Unstoppable, I'm sorry. And I just feel like it summarizes what, what we are here to do. Um, so I want to play it for you really quickly, but I want to apologize in advance to Tyler and everyone else <laughs> for getting this song in your head. takes to fool this down I'll do it till the sun goes down and all through the night time oh yeah oh yeah I'll tell you what you want to hear get my sunglasses on while I shed a tear it's never the right time
That's it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, guys. Come on, let's keep it going. <laughs> Question. It's been a pleasure working with Sherry all the way up until I had to have that song in my head. <laughs> Tyler was like, I had that song for like three uh, weeks in my head. Oh, it was actually torture, but it was worth it. Um, we have a few minutes. What time is it exactly? 12.38. Oh, sorry. This is on the wrong 11.40. Time. We have a few minutes. Lunch is, lunch is at 12. So if anybody has a couple questions, if you want to take questions, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, we can do that. And uh, just a few, and we'll take some lunch. And by the way, you're talking about the mirror portals, the inventor of the mirror. His name is Justice Von Liebig, but L-I-E-B-I-G. Reverse that is big lie. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You should look into the invent. It's, there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff there. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, first, thank you so much for what you're doing. It's amazing and so good to hear. So this is wonderful. Um, it looks like you're focusing on elementary school-age kids, or is it all the way through high school or all the way to 18, or what's the plan for the age ages that yeah. you're focused on? You, if you guys go on my website, we have the Aramis uh, philosophy, and, and it goes from age 5 to 22. So our, our plan is to go through the Aramis stages of learning, which start at elementary age, go into apprenticeships and, and college, because there won't be any college anymore. So we will, our, what we're trying to do is help them get to a point where they do apprenticeships or some sort of internship and then walk right into a job. So you bypass college altogether. So it will be a, a good range of ages. Hi, I wanted to ask what advice you have for parents who have, say, a star child. My son is 20 and he doesn't function in the 3D world at all. And how can we help them to be in this world without pushing them? It's very hard to know if you're supportive and if it's holding them back or helping them progress. Yes, that's a really good question. Um, first thing I want you guys to know is a lot of 
a lot of starseeds chose to come in in between two worlds. So they came for 3D and 4D and 5D. They, they're, they're here for the transition. So the, the demographic right now that's struggling the most is, is the, is the young, are the young adults because they don't fit into, and I'm not just talking about those that aren't able to function. I'm talking about children that just can't find a job that they want. They're, they don't, they don't want to be in this reality. They're struggling. And I want you to know that they're here to anchor their light, their energy, their presence is important, and they're basically bored and buying time. And then what's going to happen is when the paradigms break down, they will shine, and they will be the ones that rebuild humanity, along with us, of course. And so a lot of them are just... In the, in the time matrix, things take forever. So it, to, to us as parents, it, we're, it, we perceive them as, oh my gosh, they're wasting time. But in reality, they're waiting. They're buying time. And they're just looking for something to do while we wait for the transitions to occur in different stages. And so what I'm saying is he will shine in 5D. Yeah, so we just need to you just wait. need to wait. Because he's doing more on a multidimensional level than physical right now. Well, physically, because he's anchoring light and opening portals but he's also doing stuff in the astral body. Hi, I just, just want to say I think you're amazing. I actually welled up while listening to your, um, your video because I could see how much heart you put into it, how hard you work. So I cry every single time I, I watch that. I, had I couldn't look eyes. at it today because I was like, I'm going to cry. I've never met your children, but I just was like, oh, <laughs> it's so beautiful. Okay, quick question. Why, um, and I have an idea, but why did you choose the hummingbird as your logo? That's a great question, and you're only one of like two people that have ever asked me, and I find that fascinating. Like, don't people want to know? Um, because the hummingbird came to me. Okay. I'm obsessed with elephants, so everybody in the world was like, oh, Sherry's going to make an elephant as the, as the main mentor or mascot, but no. Uh, hummingbirds came to me because they're multidimensional beings. They are here to help us transform and transmute energy, and they... Um, they're absolutely spiritual beings, and they walk in between realities, mm -hmm. and that's what the children are helping us do. We're walking from one reality into another, and so they symbolize that. Oh, lovely. Can I share one thing about hummingbirds? Yeah. Are you, are you familiar with human design? Yes, yes. So We just had a class on human design for children. Amazing. And a lot of times when with human design, they use the symbol of the hummingbird because... You know, I live in Wisconsin, northern climate, and these hummingbirds fly from South America all the way to Wisconsin every summer, and then they fly back in the fall. And you think to yourself, how does this little tiny bird who has to eat every 20 minutes, how does it make that flight? How does it do it? Why doesn't it just stay in South America? Because that's not what it was designed to do. Mm, yeah. And so I just they think move that's... move energy. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. so like, it's just, like, amazing. Like, hummingbird, because that's what... We, these children, they're... They, they're coming here to do what they're designed to do and yes. their blueprint. So beautiful, amazing. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Hi. Um, this is a more of a practical question. So my daughter goes to a Montessori school similar to what you've described. You know, a lot of her, it's in a house and everything. They learn gardening and, you know, everything is very practical and they have a playground across the street and everything. They go outside. But the one piece she is missing is this spiritual-emotional complex, which I think you're focused on. Have you ever thought about partnering with certain, like, Montessori schools to, like, add that element as, like, an introduction? Because she's really missing that piece, but she has, like, all of this other physical uh, nature um, that's part of it. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yes, I've thought of it, and... No, I'm not, and the reason for that is because a lot of those schools have been taken over by the dark players eventually, and I don't want to be, I don't want to have anything to do with them because eventually, like a virus, they're going to come over and try to take over what I'm doing. So what I have to do, what I'm doing, is has to be really authentic, 
and I have to be in complete control, which is why I'm very particular about who I let into my life to help me build this, and because I don't want there to be any 3D interference. Um, and so that's what makes my concept different than others. And when I say mine, I download, I get this, the children are helping me, like this isn't me, this is like them like, helping me put this together. But that's what I'm trying to orchestrate is the, the spiritual element, because no matter what school out there, Sudbury, Steiner, Montessori, or mom and, you know, the, the small pods, they're, they're not doing the spiritual element, and that's really important. And that's what I'm, I'm focusing on. Uh, of course, the other stuff as well. Did you, was your, were kids homeschooled? No, um, and this really irritates people, um, but part of my children's um, journey was to be in the school system so that I would know what was wrong with it, and now I've taken them out. My son graduates high school tomorrow, I'm missing his graduation, but my other two are done with public school, and um, they, they, they will be going to a woman's house temporarily until Aramis is open, but yeah. Hi, Sherry, just wanted to comment, I really enjoyed- Nice shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's true, <laughs> I got another dimension. Um, what I really liked was how you brought out the history of everything that brought you to this point to help me understand that. And a lot of what you presented up there is just like, yeah, what I know yeah. from my learning for the past couple of years after retiring from a left-brained occupation. My practical question is, did you bring your books along so I can purchase them now, or where can I get them? And I want to be involved. <laughs> Yes, I did bring a very small amount because I had to fly here and I sent some. But so I do have some in the in the other room. Okay. And yes, everyone can be involved. Just uh, I get an abundance of emails and I appreciate the support. But sometimes there's just we're not at the stage yet where we need a lot of the volunteers. But like I'm, I need all of your support and and yep. we're, I'm all about collaboration. Because that's really what I'm looking at. Even though my children are in their 30s and so forth, I can still help them in some ways but I'm looking at my grandnieces, grandnephews, mm -hmm. all the younger people that we can help, yeah. the experience of those of us that are in this age to help doing that when it's really coming into form and joining together. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what time is it? Just, I should have, okay, we have time for a few more. I actually have two questions. First one is um, the black box technology you were talking about through the televisions. Would unplugging the television nope. make a difference? No. Would, you, you put, listen, we put them in our home, so that's our consent, whether it's mm -hmm. plugged in or not. Okay. It, it have to be, if it was still in the box, maybe, um, but we plug it in. But we can, we, now that you know, you can do... Intention is everything. We can put a grid around that box. So I still mm -hmm. have a TV. I, I'm not like I'm not like that mm -hmm. awake. I have a TV. So you've noticed I didn't say woke. Um, and so I, I deactivate <laughs> the grid myself through intention because I'm like, listen, I know you're there. I do not consent in any of the rooms in my house. I put a grid of energy around it, and and I and I think it works. Um, I agree. I just was wanted some clarification. And I was also curious about the frequencies you were talking about that they target us with. Yes. Do you believe that the sophageo frequencies and the whole tones can counterbalance that? I do believe that there are frequencies uh, that can, but the, I don't know. Um, I'm torn on the, those frequencies because I think some of, them are, some of them are being replicated on YouTube and they're not actually the solfregio frequencies and they're altered and you don't, you would never know. So you just have to be really careful. 
Thank you. Chris wants to know, what about video projectors? I don't, I don't know, I've never been asked that. But honestly, any technology can create a portal with energy. And just a quick comment on the sex magic that I, I re-termed uh, STDs to sexually transmitted demons. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's so true. No, I'm not, I'm not joking. That's no, that is so true. The entities hang out in the bar scene and then they cling on to the yeah. people and then they go home, have a one night stand and they're, it's all the loose farming. But yeah. It has been really awesome. We brought our 12-year-old son along, and it has been really cool because a lot of things we're trying to teach him, he got to hear from a totally different perspective, but they're Good, all the yeah. same things. But as a healing practitioner, the, the birthing trauma, like my son was C-section, he's had this pain. We never, it didn't click till you were talking, and I, then I connected with it. But in simple terms, what can we do with our children that have had those traumas to help them move through it? Because I've noticed now that I know what that is, I can tell he's a wonderful child, but the, the frequency was off a little bit. How do we tune him in? How do we help him through that process? Yeah, the, so the number one, because I was a C-section child. My mom was 15. Like, they just pulled me right out of her. So, like, I was one of those as well. <clears throat> and, you know, people who are claustrophobic tend to be um, C-section babies as well. Um, and uh, from womb trauma. If you, if you had a traumatic womb experience, you're, you can be, be claustrophobic because of that. But uh, grounding. Grounding is the number one thing. If, you teach, if we teach our children to ground every single day, what we do is we anchor our physical bodies into the, into the earth and our light actually becomes more powerful because it has a vessel to go in that's, that's whole. And that makes everything complete, and it balances the whole system. So really, grounding is the answer. And I know people say that all the time, but nobody actually does it. You know, they're like, oh, that's a great idea. But, like, it's breathing. It's connecting to earth. Um, it's, it's natural diet. The breath work is the most powerful thing. I teach my children to breathe. Breathe it out. Just breathe it out. Because we're emotional beings, but our emotions don't have to define us. They're part of the experience. And children get captivated by those emotions because they don't know like it's almost like you throw them imagine throwing an infant in the pool at the deep end they're they're gonna drown that's how children feel when they feel fear or anger they are drowning in it and they can't get out so how do they react they punch they hit they scream they act out and our and then all we do as parents is yell at them for it hello they're drowning they just need somebody to put a hand out and bring them back out they don't know but we're not taught these things so grounding for the last month we've been working on grounding and breathing and so it's confirmation of that's yeah. what we need to do to help them settle into this form so I appreciate it thank you yeah sure hey Stephanie hi that was amazing thank you so thank much you. um everything that you said was so true and I'm so sorry I was late <laughs> But I just wanted to say that um, how important it is for everyone to know um, how target, targeted we are in every way, um, especially in the etheric. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually just started to do some energy healing um, where I am kind of removing those beings from people. And I got away from doing traditional Reiki. So it's just, it's been quite the journey for like, and it happened so fast. And I myself have like completely changed my life and my whole energy field by doing all that stuff. But anyway, um, I have a son who is, he's uh, diagnosed with Asperger's. He will be 21. Um, he suffered his whole life heavily, heavily targeted. Um, and every time I try to 
work on him, he's like, no, 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 you know, he gives me the, you know, I got this kind of a, and um, the gentleman who trained me uh, to do this work said, because I said, well, he doesn't want me to interfere, but I know he really needs my help. And, um, you know, because I'm, I'm working on all these people, but I'm not working on my own child. And he said, if you were walking by an alley and someone was being stabbed, would you ask their permission for help? So he was like, you know, you just do it. So I wanted to know what you thought about that. Yeah, I, I believe in boundaries. Um, and sometimes children are placed in a vibration that they, um, we perceive as not ideal, but that's part of their journey and they're there for a reason. Um, and we don't always understand the reason. So it's all about boundaries um, that we create. And sometimes we need to let them be in certain spaces because we don't understand that they're in that space for a reason. Um, and it could be temporary. So we do what we can. As a parent, I would I never tell my children they have to do anything. Obviously, we have rules in my house. Okay, my children are well-behaved. Like, I don't just let them run around. Like, and take, they're, they're not in charge. Um, but, you know, like my son, you know, I didn't push him. I said he doesn't have to go to college. He decided on his own. He applied. He got in. And now he's going in for neuroscience. Like, great. Cool. That's awesome. Super right. smart. Like, I could never do that. But, like, he did that on his own. And, you know, and, and it's just... We plant the seeds and we give them support, but I don't, um, I don't intervene. I try not to intervene because we don't understand why they, that same person in the alleyway, I know that this is not a popular opinion and people are going to get mad at me, <laughs> but somebody might have signed up to have that experience for a reason and we're not always meant to intervene. And so it's just understand right now, everything is so multidimensional. There's so many explanations for the exact same thing. There's no right or wrong. You have to go with your gut and your heart as that person's mother, what you think is appropriate. And if there's anything pulling you away and saying it's not right, then that you're, you're being given the answer that give that, give your son some space. But if you feel wholeheartedly that he needs you and maybe he's in the pool drowning, then you do what you can to help him. But I, that's not an answer that anyone can give you because every situation is completely different. Right. Thank you so much. And also, um, I would love to be a part of that Artemis, definitely, in yes. the future. Sure. Thank you. Aramis, Aramis. Aramis, yeah. Well, Artemis is a big part of it, too, but a whole other conversation. Stephanie was on, like, episode 13 or something of our podcast a long time ago. We need to have you back on. <laughs> Um, I just have a question. I was wondering if you have an idea of what percentage of the kids that are coming in are the, you know, are the advanced kids? Because I'm always looking for them, and um, I, I don't have kids, but um, I was just wondering. I've never heard anybody say, you know, what percentage, and it, it makes it sound like there's a lot of them, but I see a lot of kids that don't seem like they are. You know, I see both. I see both, but I was just wondering if you had a... You know, if you had a okay, so 100% of the children being born right now are star seats. The ones from 19, from uh, all, all of them. 100% of any baby being born, probably from just before the pandemic, even before like 2015, they are star seats. They are evolved beings because they blocked the samsara wheel of reincarnation that's not being allowed anymore. And anybody under the age of like 80 has been out of that samsara wheel and came into this life by choice, 100% you volunteered to play a role. There's only a small percentage of the population that's still here that's on their last life of being within that 
samsara wheel of manipulation and didn't choose to come here. And those are the ones that are crossing over a lot during COVID. So yes, the pandemic was bad, but a lot of good things did come out of it. And one of which a lot of elderly crossed over because they were trapped in the wheel of reincarnation and they chose that as their exit point. That's a whole nother conversation, but um, a whole nother talk. Um, well, I forgot. That just made me forget the question. Yeah, you, I think oh. you already answered it. 100%. Oh, but they're not always, they're not 100% of that 100%. This is important. Not 100% of the 100% are going to be like. 100% Yes. They're not all activated for a reason because some of them are hidden. They're coming in and cloak, they're cloaked so that the dark players don't find them and don't target them with the therical viruses and in the dream state so that they're safe. And they'll be activated very soon. Talking more about like the earlier kids, the earlier indigos and stuff, because it seemed they were coming in and. Uh, they no, were no, not not the adults. No. Yeah, I was talking about like the 80s and stuff. No. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Um, it's just about lunchtime, guys. So it's up to you how many more questions you want to. I take. can keep going with. Okay. Just this will be the last three. Actually, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I just have two things to say. One, I was wondering about um, the etheric pregnancy. Do a person have to have a uterus to have that type of pregnancy, or would that happen to women that had hysterectomy? Mm, that's a good question. No, you. Yep. Yeah, sorry. Yes, you need to have a. Um, you need to have reproductive organs, but they don't have to be functioning. Like you can have gone through menopause, and still. But if you had a hysterectomy, then no, you can't be used for that. Yeah. And the other thing I was wondering about, um, I had never heard of black box. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I had a TV for years that beings would be there every day, early in the morning when the TV wasn't on. And um, it would be six every day, um, just kind of like going forward, coming back, taking turns looking at me in the box. Have you ever heard of that type of situation? I mean, it sounds, like, it sounds like what I was mentioning, where they come in and out of the portal through the TV. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Every day, all over the world, in every house that has a TV. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's their access point to your home. It was very visible. You know, a lot of Chris, a lot of spiritual warriors and stuff, they'll grid their home, but they don't think about the TV. They come through the TV. You could grid your house all you want, but they'll come through the TV. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Hello. Hi. Um, are you going to have our organic food when you have the school open and you feed children? The reason why I ask is um, it kind of hit home when you were talking about your oldest son and how he's laid back and the crystal children. Mm -hmm. um, and then I started thinking about my son. I kept getting email after email after email about ADHD and my son. Finally, they're like, you really need to take him to a pediatrician. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna take him to the doctor I wanna go to. So I went to um, a holistic doctor and they tested his blood and found out he's allergic to dairy, uh, low on omega-3, uh, and what else? Um, uh, one form of gluten. Mm -hmm. And just changing his diet, it, it got a little better. Yeah. So are you going to address yes. each children differently because there's going to be, they're going to come to you yeah. with, you know, all these special needs. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I didn't talk that much about it in the food section, but a lot of the children are more hypersensitive to our diet because they're here to break us out of that diet and encourage us to be more organic and more intuitive uh, with our food. So we're not getting rid of the meat. Uh, so not everybody can be vegan. I'm sorry. Not everybody's body is built for that. You can get mad at me, but I eat steak, and I will continue to eat steak, but I bless the animal, and I thank them for feeding me. Um, now, if I had to kill my own animal, I wouldn't, but, um, but the point is that our body is designed in a certain way from our genetics. Now, our genetics can change over the next few generations, but the intuitive eating is, is where it's at, and so yes, we will be incorporating all of that into our, 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 um, our schooling uh, to teach children to eat intuitively for what their body needs. So yes, of course. Thank you, Sherry. Yeah. Thank you, guys.